the Flex Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit. Covering all things science relating to nutrition, training, recovery, and more. Who knows, we might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. You are joined by myself, Dean, my lovely partner, Lizzie. And today we are joined by... I was going to say the first ever IFBB pro we had on here, but we had Sam Pierce on. Oh, yeah. And we've got to represent Australia. But uh, Cooper, I'm not even going to attempt to say your last name. Mate, welcome. Don't bother. It's just just Cooper. That, that'll, that'll do the job. <laughs> <laughs> now, for people listening, because we do have some bodybuilders that listen to this podcast, of course, but we've also got stay-at-home mums and everyone in between. So for those that don't know you, I guess two things. I'll ask you to introduce yourself for those who don't know you, but also maybe I should start by telling our audience that even if you're not a bodybuilder, this episode is for you because there's a lot of overlap. Um, we're going to ask Huber about how he juggles his busy lifestyle and manages his nutrition as well as trying to live a life and, you know, all the things that regular Joes have to deal with as well. I guess you just take it a little further. So without further ado... Who are you? What do you do? And why do you do it? Hello. So my name's Kuba. I am a bodybuilder from England. I'm a gym owner. I'm a coach. So I do try and juggle quite a, quite a few things. Um, but I think, how do I describe myself uh, the, the best way? I, I live and breathe bodybuilding, but sport has been a part of my life for a long, long time. It's I started off boxing when I was 11. So as you can imagine, from a very young age, I was always very committed towards doing anything to do with competing, anything to do with sports. But it's it's never really been football. It's never really been rugby, which is the two most popular ones uh, in England. It's it's kind of dived straight into boxing. And then whilst I was boxing, I was obviously lifting. And then it kind of had a, a, a more of a shift towards bodybuilding when I was 16. Um, and then the, the story kind of follows on from there. Obviously started competing, started coaching, started personal training, um, opened up the gym. And, and that's kind of... Uh, it all kind of followed on from, from a young, young age to build up to where I am now. Um, so that's that's pretty much me in a nutshell, uh, without kind of diving into uh, the history too much. Um, yeah. But we yeah, that's... Get into the personal that's, details. That's, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, without getting the book out and, uh, and getting all that out of there, yeah. So you went from getting other people to punch you in the face to punching yourself in the face with hunger. Pretty much that that's pretty much the way I would describe it. But yeah, you know, I think the, the, the sports the, the, the sport does have a correlation in a way because they both require the same amount of commitment that you put towards it. Because mm-hmm. with bodybuilding and boxing, I think they both are a sport that you know you, you need to devote yourself to it in 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 a in a big, big way. But I think the devotion towards the sports, for me anyway, has definitely had a huge carryover into everything else I do in my life as well. So I think the, the, the big point that, that I think we, we may need to touch on is a lot of people find a lot of negatives with what we do, which is, you know, arguable, you know, peds, all that, the dark side. But I think the, the, the biggest positive thing that a lot of people undervalue is the habits that we create as bodybuilders and as athletes, when you actually apply the same habits and the same principles towards your business, towards your other avenues in life, I feel like there's nothing that you cannot achieve. So I think, again, to, to, to listeners right now, I think the biggest point that a lot of people can take away from is bodybuilding doesn't just give you an opportunity to progress as, a, as an athlete or, you know, progress your physique, 
for me, bodybuilding has given me, has given me a way to be able to reach something that I would never be able to reach if it wasn't part of my life. Mm. Can you give me an example of some of the habits that you carry over from bodybuilding into other areas of your life? Definitely the discipline side of things. I think in past and uh, the, the kind of the environment I was in, especially from younger age, would have definitely led me to a, a different path in life. And I would have been a different place than I am right now. And I think the deeper I got into bodybuilding, the more committed I was, the more disciplined I was, the more discipline I also had towards business and the more discipline I also had towards obviously my gym and my clients. So for me, it's more so being able to start a task and make sure that you do it properly. As mm. with bodybuilding, you can't really take the approach of being half-hearted with what you do. Yeah. And I think that's the same approach I had towards my work, towards my life in general. And I think that has really allowed me to reach heights that I'd never ever even dream of as a kid and as, as a person that I was back in the day. Mm. Do you think that those... Um behaviors that a bodybuilder typically is associated with you know like highly regimented highly routine based very focused do you think they helped guide you through these life other factors or do you think that because of the fact that you had to be so regimented and routine that it almost forced your other things to follow suit was it the chicken or the egg yeah i think a little bit both i think it put me on the right path because it could have been two choices back in the day where it was either you stay disciplined and you focus on doing the right things in life, which is the coaching, the bodybuilding, the training, or it could have gone down a totally wrong way uh, and wrong path in my life where, you know, it, it would have been a total mess. So I think the discipline structure has, uh, has given me almost a strength and confidence to be able to excel in business and excel in, in what I do as well. Mm. So why did you decide to go into business, which is opening up your gym called Ultraflex. Ultraflex. And I said Rotherflex, but you oh. say it far more fluently. What, how do you pronounce it? So it, initially it wasn't really, the goal was never to make a business of it. The goal was just to open a gym because that was a dream. Mm -hmm. And initially it was actually called Iron Athlete. So the, the, the doors kind of opened in 2017, January 9th. And I definitely started out too early, as I, as I would say, especially the mistakes that were made. Um, I, I was involved with some business partners and that didn't kind of work out too, too well. But long story short, um, that kind of all parted ways. We ended up buying them out and then I joined Forces Ultraflex. But reason why I wanted to open a gym initially, it was just because I loved training so much. And for me, since I was a kid and since I first started competing in bodybuilding, the dream was always to open up a gym. Like the, the gym I trained at, at the time, that was the only real bodybuilding gym in in the area so every serious bodybuilder like anyone who was you know anything to do with bodybuilding trained at that gym we had natural professionals we had ifbb pros trained there so it was like a mixture of you know every single top guy training there and as a kid i always look back on that and i was like like this is this is what i wanted i want a gym like this i want you know especially the owner everyone kind of like looked up to him and he was like the man go to um so for me it was always like kind of follow his footsteps and, you know, be a little bit like him. Um, so for me, it was always a dream to really open a gym. And initially it was never really to, to make a business of it. And as you can imagine, obviously I was young when we opened the gym and the, 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 the real finances wasn't really there to make it a, a true business, so to speak, and, and, you know, make it big. 
Um, but it was enough to make it work and it was enough to make it successful um, to the point where, you know, again, it was more so a, a process where as I got more committed towards my bodybuilding and as I got more serious with my bodybuilding, I got more serious with business as well. So yeah. for me, I always say this, it's like the better I got a bodybuilding and, and, and more of a bodybuilder I became, I started to become serious in all other avenues in life as well. I started to behave myself a lot more and I started to actually progress um, as a coach a lot more, progress in my business with the gym as well. And that is when uh, I got into partnership with Charlie and Mike and obviously Ultraflex happened, which was actually two years after I actually opened the gym. Um, so that was like end of 2018, beginning of 2019, when we actually turned it into Ultraflex. Mm. It was only just recently a birthday then too, if it was the night. Yeah. yeah. It's the birthday month. I had my birthday five on the years. Five years. I had my on. birthday on the 10th. Yes. You had the birthday for yeah. the gym on the 9th. Joe's birthday was on the 13th. Was it yesterday? Joe Jeffrey yeah. yesterday, yeah. So uh, I have a shaved patch at the back of my head. For those on YouTube, let me show you. I shaved Joe into my head. Um, <laughs> hang on. We changed it, though, because I, I messaged a photo of it to my friend Dom. I was just laughing about it. And she's like, it's my birthday, too. So we changed Joe to Dom. And so it's somewhere in between now. But let me show you. You have to go. She has to go side on, though. Yeah, so it was Joe. But now That's if I awesome. tilt my head this way, it's Dom. <laughs> That's... Uh... Probably the worst D I've ever seen. My handwriting's <laughs> terrible, but Dean, don't ever let me, you know, Mate. it's lucky my hair's terrible, like, but I still wouldn't let you shave it. <laughs> Look, if I can start with a fresh canvas and not try and turn a J sideways into a D, I think I can do all right. <laughs> it was pretty good before we changed it to Dom. Look, I um, cut my own hair with nail scissors. I really don't give a shit about my hair. So when the idea came up, I was just True. typing away on my laptop and I was like, it's just hair, it'll grow. So happy birthday to you for recently and mm. to Joe for yesterday and to you for Monday. Yeah. What was nine months ago? Some mums were getting busy nine months ago. Everyone's <laughs> being born It's now. the off season for football. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That, is uh, it. that is actually a common trend in Australia. A lot of rugby league players have their kids in the off season because it's sort of like at the peak yeah. of the season, they're not too... Um, you know, fatigue, they're, they're still going well. Yeah. You know, the season progresses, the focus goes towards the football or the, the rugby yeah. league. They start to, you know, uh, forget about their lovely wives and partners. <laughs> and then they're pregnant the whole time and then baby comes and they start again. Baby season. <laughs> um, <was> also. <laughs> but I wanted to ask, so you mentioned that, you know, it was always a dream of yours, but then you got really serious with business and bodybuilding around the same time. How or do you feel like you can juggle other aspects of your life well or do you feel like all balance is out the window when you're super focused on bodybuilding you mean life and business yeah like do you feel like you can juggle friendships and personal hygiene and hob like other hobbies if you have them or do you feel like all your energy gets sucked into these things and like that is just the cost of being ultra successful ultra uh, depends on what level you want to do it at. Mm -hmm. if you if you want to be as successful as you physically can there's no such thing as balance there's literally no such thing as balance. So for me at the moment, it's just literally my coaching, my bodybuilding. And, you know, the, the window for anything else is pretty much very, very small. Whether it's my friends and even, you know, I'm lucky enough for partners to do what I do. Otherwise, I, I don't think a normal person would be able to put up with what I do and how I am. Mm -hmm. Just to be able to get everything done in a day. And, and still be able to stay on top of my own bodybuilding and top of my own structure. Mm. Not only it, it does require, you know, ultimate commitment, but the discipline day to day 
it is super high as well to the point where it's like certain events I, I won't really attend to because I know that, you know, if I miss a couple of night, night well, a couple of hours sleep a night, it's going to throw my whole schedule off across the week. And if, mm-hmm. I throw, if it throws my schedule off across the week, then it's just me chasing my own tail for the whole week. Mm. That's not really worth doing so right now. So it all depends as to how far you want to make it and, and what you aspire to do and what you want to do. You know, when I look at my life now compared to two years ago, three years ago, it changes on a massive scale. Uh, mm. If you looked at my life three years ago, it was a lot different than this. You know, it was probably upside down compared to what it is right now. Whereas right now, every single hour to the day is accounted for. So beforehand, it was never like this. So right now to get everything on point, there is very little balance. Like, mm. don't get me wrong. We, we have our rest days. We have times where, you know, we do have a little bit of time together, but it's not to the point where I can say, right, today I'm just going to go and do this because it's not. Like the whole week is planned and structured and yeah. planned ahead as well. So, you know, I know there's a little window to do this on that day. And that's about it. That's as far as the balance goes, so to speak. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but in terms of like wake time, bedtimes, that is the that is the most important stuff for me that needs to be really, really adhered to. That has been a game changer for me to be able to really, really, really be productive with my own bodybuilding and with my coaching and with my gym business as well. Mm. I was going to say this. I was going to ask the question, but you pretty much answered. This sounds like a, a conscious decision around how you now set your day up to achieve all of these tasks, as opposed to you've just fallen into this and yeah, it's a whirlwind. Yeah, and it sounds like you also accept yeah. the cost of it because I wonder if a lot of people want to be successful but don't realise the costs um, or they think they're under this illusion that they can be ultra successful in one or two domains of their life and still have balance and free time, you know, which is included in balance. Um, <laughs> and I think being willing to accept those costs is mandatory um, when trying to be really successful at a couple of things. Um I, that, that's why I personally don't want to compete in bodybuilding because I value balance and spontaneity, not that I don't have structure, far more. <laughs> and I know that yeah. I, can't, I can't choose both and I don't choose, I don't choose being successful in bodybuilding. Well, yesterday she came out and she had a little bit of banana with a tiny bit of Nutella on it. I went, oh, that looks good. It was. And she went, yeah, tracking macros sucks, man. <laughs> and I was like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually Nutella with a spoon, not on a scale. <laughs> listen, listen, I totally agree because it's not really normal what we do because you get in such a habit that you never really even look at food normal anymore. Like I can guarantee you now when Dean sees food, he just looks at it and he sees numbers. He doesn't even see the food. Like it, mm-hmm. it's it's just the way it is because it's so engraved in your brain. It doesn't become quite normal, but yeah, I, I definitely see a point because with bodybuilding, it consumes you so much that you don't really see anything else. But sometimes you can use that kind of focus into the other areas. But then when you do that, literally nothing else is like nothing else exists. So it's your life room. doesn't really, yeah, your life isn't quite quite as normal to be honest. So. No, it, it really isn't. Like, I'll give you an example. My business partner is uh, he's got one of the most successful financial adv- well financial businesses in, in the country, and some people think they're busy. Like, is is just ridiculous. He's got two PAs, and his days and months are planned in advance, like six seven months ahead. No time to be. And his literally days are like everything's just ridiculous. It's like all in a planner. 
Um, and I mean, from like 6am till 8pm every single day. Uh, but, you know, this is the cost of success. Like he's a very successful man to the point where, you know, he's even got his own driver because he works while he's getting drove around, even mm. to the gym. He's got a driver yeah. that takes him to the gym because whilst he's in the car, he's working. So this is what I mean. People don't quite realize what it truly takes if you want to make it, whether that's a sport, whether it's in business. Unfortunately, you know, th there is a cost that you have to pay. And it will be either, you know, your social time, your downtime or your hobbies or whatever else you want to do. Mm. Unfortunately, something has to give in order to be able to give to something else. Yeah. Unless you've got a time machine and you can create more time, then fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> I was going to say, too, there's a clear distinction there as to what you deem to be success for you. You know, mm. like success for him may be to have the, the, the biggest financial business in the country. And then that dictates a certain set of behaviors that's required. Whereas yeah. success to somebody else might be that, you know, they like get me. to spend three hours with their kids every day. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know why you want to do that. But, yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I think one <laughs> of the reasons absolutely. that I value balance so much is um, growing up as a kid. I don't think my parents had much when they were children and um, success to my mum and dad was financial security. And my dad just took it too far. I don't think that he had a number in mind that was like, okay, I will retire at this number. He just worked seven days a week, like never hugged the guy, didn't invite him to my wedding. And like occasionally when he'd take a Sunday off, he would just bring work home and he'd work from home. And so for me from a really young age, I'm like, fuck that. And so that was not success to me at all. And so maybe the point here is like success is just different things to different people. 100%. And like, what is your success, Dean, is like my nightmare. Mm. <laughs> and that's so okay. But somehow we make it work. Yeah. Most of the time. <laughs> I think for me, success is, uh, is somewhat a lie because for me, I I'm not really happy when I achieve things. It's more the road that leads towards it. Uh -huh. This is why I love bodybuilding so much because it's, it's not the stage, it's the process behind it that I love so much. So for me, like competing, I don't even have to compete. Like this is just like a 1% of the whole game. Mm -hmm. It's the same with business though. It's the same with well, everything else that we do. Like the only time I was ever miserable and I was unhappy is when I didn't have the commitments that I do have right now. And I didn't have, I didn't really have a purpose back in the day. It was just like, I'd get up, I'd do whatever. Yeah. And it'd be like, right, this is this is the bits that I need to do. And that's it. Once they're done, it's like, what's next? Mm -hmm. So ultimately for me, it, it's almost like a purpose. But yeah, I think all different people have different goals and different, obviously, passions, different, different ways of looking at success, 100%. I definitely agree. Ultimately, what it comes down to is, I think generally doing what, what, what makes you happy or what makes you feel fulfilled as well. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, for me, what makes me fulfilled to someone else probably sounds like a total disaster and sounds like hell. <laughs> you know, that's it, true though. It's true because to me, like, I know for a fact, like normal people, other people probably look at what we do and probably think, oh my God, what a bunch of weirdos. Like, why would you want to live your life like that? And, and that's, that's a fact. But I think when we look at outside the box and we look at certain behaviors and certain traits that our lifestyle gives us, and our sport gives us, I think a, a, any individual can benefit from them and will actually use them, can use them to make the life better. Yeah, oh. for sure. Do you think that you would enjoy the process as much if you weren't as successful? Though? A pro? So yeah, I mean, successful. like you're a pro, you're obviously fantastic at, as being a bodybuilder. Your gym is becoming increasingly more and more successful, I imagine, from the outside looking in. Um, like, I think 
I agree with you that the process of the journey of the to the bodybuilding stage is what I enjoy the most because I'm doing something that is regimented, routine-based, ticking off the boxes, all that sort of stuff. You know, you get this daily feedback on success. But if I was like a outside the top five guy in Australia in my division, I don't know if I'd enjoy it as much, you know? Yeah, I would, because let, let, let me just put things into context for you, because as a junior, up until the age of 22, 23, put the age 23, yeah, I won every single show I ever did, but that's as a junior. Right. And that's, you know, I was pretty much lucky because no freaks really turned up to the shows that I did. But that, that's a fact. I, I won every single show I did from the age of 16 till the age of like 23. And the first show that I came like third or fourth, I think it was fourth year, was my first year out of the juniors doing the, the men's heavyweights. And that was the amateur Olympia when Mark Hecht actually won the overall. I did the heavyweight class that year and I came fourth. Um, the lineup was ridiculous, but it's it's still, I still got the same feeling as I did when I won. Because to me, it's not just competing and winning and doing well. Again, it's the process and, ma and making that jump forward. So even if it wasn't any good, I still think I'd enjoy the process just as much because I would still be making progress and I would still be having these little wins, but on a smaller scale. Mm. I mean, you're talking really about the process versus outcome. Oh man, you are like the definition so of process focused, which is something Dean and I preach to our clients all the time. Like, if your goal is weight loss, a successful or failed week isn't determined by the scales. It's determined by the thing. Did you do the things that you needed to do to get the result? That is it. Because, I mean, if you amputate your arm or shit yourself and lose a kilo, that's not a successful week. You just shat yourself or amputated your arm. Like, Unless part of the process is to become uh, part of the disabled living. <laughs> that's true. But, yeah, so that's exactly like you're saying that you just love doing the things that you need to do and the outcome is a bonus. Oh. Yeah, I think it's taking a little wins every day as well mm -hmm. because you see a sense of accomplishment every single day with what you do. So if I was seeing the success on a smaller scale, I would still be, in see I would still be seeing success. Yeah. yeah. So I think I'd still be just as happy. It's just fact of the matter is I just probably wouldn't be as far ahead as I am now. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think the other cool thing about like being process focused like yourself is it allows you the opportunity to check your emotions before they get in the way of making poor decisions. And what I mean by that is, is like, uh, if anyone's familiar with the contest prep, there'll be periods where you wake up one day and you're like, wow, I'm off. Like you've got, you feel like you've gone backwards six weeks. When you look in the mirror. When you look in the mirror, maybe your digestion's a little bit funny for a day, you've had a shitty sleep, whatever it may be. You're like, oh, whoops. And if you were very goal focused, that could make you shit the bed real quick. However, what Give I an example of shitting the bed. Well, as in you might then just go eat a whole bunch of food, not train that day, not do your output, whatever. Right, you may like not tick off, the, the yeah. tick off the processes. Uh -huh. However, whenever I felt like that, I always look back and go, hmm, what did I do yesterday? I did my steps, did my food, did my sleep, did my training. That was a successful day. Get on with life. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, for sure. In the last chapter of the, our recent ebook, Untangling Fat Loss, I spoke about um, my mini cut that I did for a photo shoot last year. Um, and I showed my perception in the mirror you know, I thought I looked 10% one day, then 12% another day, then 8%, then 15%. And if I made decisions based on how I felt, my perceptions, my qualitative, uh, you know, like I would have been all over the place. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take these photos, do these measurements, stick to the goddamn plan. Mm. And it all worked out.
Yeah, it's uh, bodybuilding's a funny old thing. I think anyone who can suffer with uh, any sort of mental damage shouldn't really bodybuild, shouldn't diet, shouldn't do any sort of contest prep ever, because it. I think anyone that's normal, it can affect you mentally. But you know, even someone as strong man as yourself, like for you to experience things like that, and you probably look at this and look at what your way of thinking after that diet. And you probably think, oh my God, like what the hell was I even thinking, you know, going through emotions like this? So yeah, I think it's a, it's a funny old sport, 100%. Yeah. And it's that moment when you look back on a contest prep, like six weeks afterwards, when you're fit fed, you're feeling good. You're like, oh, I was actually linked. I was so linked. <laughs> I want to get some lessons here for people who aren't bodybuilders. And I think that lesson from this discussion is that you don't have to be dick skin lean for your mind to play tricks on you. You can be a stay-at-home mom and feel amazing one day, super sexy. And then the next day, I don't know, you have your period, you're bloated, like whatever the reason is, that doesn't mean that the plan should change. That means that how we feel about our body changes, but that doesn't necessarily uh-huh. mean much. It means that we should stick to the plan. And if we deviate a little bit, that means that we've just tripped. We don't need to fully face plant and like, you know, eat the whole goddamn pizza. Like the same things apply just on a different scale. It's like the old saying, you've got to trust the process and just mm. crack on 100%. It's, you can never have, you know, perfect days all the time. Something will always happen to throw you off track, whether it's in bodybuilding or anything else you do. It's like you can have the same repetition every single day, but the outcome is never going to be exactly the same as, as, as it was the day before. Mm. Yeah, and that's the difference between a lapse and a relapse, I suppose. Like if one little thing goes wrong, that's a lapse. We don't need to continue it. Yeah, or like Chelsea says, don't miss twice. Yeah, never miss twice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I don't know you as a younger bodybuilder, but how have, still is. Well, you're still very young, but you mentioned that you competed since 16, and you're not 16 anymore. How old are you now? 27. Okay. Oh, so that's 11 years of competing. Look at me do, doing math so quickly. <laughs> Didn't even use my fingers. Quick math. Um, <laughs> quick math. <laughs> hey, Liz is actually She's got a calculator there anyway. Liz has actually experienced, <laughs> is it drill? Yeah, here drill music? for the first time. And now she knows why that song was made. Yeah, so Man's Not Hot for anyone who doesn't understand the reference of quick maths. Um, I, I just thought it was a funny song, but turns out it's a piss take from English music called drill music. Am I getting that right? Drill music? To be honest, I don't even know this thing, so you can fill me in oh, as there well. You go. <laughs> oh, well, well, this is this is what I've assumed by now listening to the genre drill, which is you know English rap. But Joe was telling us that if you would go drilling, it was you'd go around the, the suburbs stealing and robbing people. That's going drilling, and then the sort of rap sort of genre behind that goes to drill. And then when you listen to that quick math song, the man's not hot song. Man's not hot song. Yeah, he does it in that sort of genre style. Yeah, he takes the piss out of that style. Um, but where was I going with that? Right, so you've been competing for 11 years. How has maybe your mindset or your approach changed from 16-year-old Cooper to 27-year-old? Ooh. Yeah, I think from like amateur to then to then like breakout pro to pro, I think it'd be a nice Jesus. little transition. What, from the from the very beginning or just from uh, from the pro? Mm, let's go 16 years. Like, yeah, let's go from the beginning. From amateur. Like, don't Jesus. break down every meal to me, Jesus. but just maybe like zoom out. Do you want to put your seatbelts on? Because you're probably going to think, fucking hell, how is he still alive? But um, on a serious note, on a serious note, but back in the day, and, and, and you know, back in the day, 
the knowledge was very, very poor with what we did. It was so, so terrible. I mean, like, I had the guys that, that were the most knowledgeable guys in the gym <coughs> telling me to drink tuna shakes, tuna blended with Diet Coke to get the food in. So that was a staple of my diet from, like, the age of 15. And my first ever contest prep, and to this day now, I will not touch sweet potato. It makes me feel sick. The first ever prep I ever did was six meals of turkey and sweet potato. And that, that was it. For How like, did you not have a deficiency? Well, you did. Oh, yeah, okay. I'm sure. I did. Like, honestly, yeah, I did. By the end of it, it's like, it was, like, I literally, I look at sweet potato now and it still makes me feel sick looking at wow. it. You hear of this without That's 11 years on. Yeah. So, you know, Anyone when we look though, at the this knowledge. Is the, this is the problem though. Kuna, when we look at quickly. the knowledge, it was, it was terrible. The, the yeah. knowledge and the advice was just terrible. And it, it never really changed. And it always stayed the same for many, many years after that, up until like the, even the age of like 21, where I started seeing, you know, some good, good guys come out in the industry and actually start preaching some, some great shit when it comes to nutrition, when it comes to, you know, pets and when it comes to training. So, for me, it was always, I was always keen to learn and I was, always, I was always very open-minded. I was never really a person to be closed off to any idea and be closed off to, to anything that anyone had to say, because I'm a big advocate that, you know, whether, whether it's your client, whether it's anybody you come across, you can always learn something from someone, whether it's good or bad. You can always learn something that you can take away and apply yourself in, in life or bodybuilding, whatever it is, you can always learn something from someone, right? So I, I, was, I, I was always an advocate of this. And I think, it, it was very basic when I started. The knowledge was awful and decisions were made with nutrition. The decisions were made with, with the PEDS as well. It was just awful. You know, training was always hard, but again, it wasn't never ever, ever calculated. It wasn't ever precise. It was just basically going to the gym and just, you know, trash yourself every single time. There was no consideration for fatigue management. There was none of that. You was just basically going in and trying to, you know, end yourself with every workout and prep up until the age of like 21. If I now probably 23, I actually had a year off when I was 22. That's right. So up until age of 21, prep was all about who can go the hardest and who can starve themselves, who can starve themselves pretty much. So I remember the prep I did for universe, for Naba Universe, actually, when I was 21. That was that was hell. I, I was working doors at the time, I was PT. Um and I remember my last few shifts working on the doors, and I was literally stood on a rail and I just thought. I'm so weak. I'm so tired right now. If someone literally pushes me, I'll literally not get up. So that gives you a little bit of context as to how the early days in bodybuilding went. It was just awful. It was it was always the meathead mentality and the mentality, the old school mentality that everyone still has now in England, unfortunately, where, you know, the harder you go, the better. There's no consideration for pulling back. If you feel tired, you know, you don't want it. You don't want it enough. So you need to push harder. Mm. Uh, you know, that that's just how it went. But where it all started to really change was pretty much when I turned 23, 24 is when the knowledge started to come about. And even back then, the, still the PEDS use was terrible and the advice given was still terrible. So for me, realistically, it's only the past couple of years where things started to go on the right path where you know the ins and outs now and the research that has come out to life without us needing to, you know, dive deep into the stuff that we probably don't understand and stuff that we probably don't really want to look at, uh, which is the papers, and, you know, 
not everyone's got time to read them, but right now the amount of the amount of I think the amount of real knowledge that gets put out and the real advice that gets put out on social media and various sites, it's so easily accessible. So the whole process since the beginning, the way it evolved year by year has definitely been better, more calculated, and got me to the point now where I feel like only the past couple of years, I'm able to make some real progress. And I'm able to say with confidence that I can probably bodybuild you know, into late 30s without dying. And I'll give you, I'll give you a bit of context for this behind this as well. When I was dying for the UKBFF back in the day, UKBFF used to be just what two bros is now. Um, I was 23 at the time. I was doing the junior class and open heavyweights. And at 16 weeks out, one of my friends in the gym actually knows one of the world-renowned coaches. I'm not going to name names. Um, but anyway, I got, we you know, names I got a little bit of I was like, yeah, you know, thank you. It's pretty cool. And they sent over a drug protocol that they recommended. And that was on a daily basis what they wanted to use was 250 tests. I think it was 210 parabolon, 100 milligram of oxy, 100 milligram of D-ball every single day. Mm. That's not bad. And <laughs> you would grow biceps on your what ears. Are we at? We're at like 700 a day. Total. <laughs> nice. That, oh that was... God you know, a day. So Ooh. at that time, I just thought, you know, the, the use, the, the use already even back then was, was, you know, pretty silly anyway, but it wasn't anywhere near to, you know, close it in on that. But did anyone die? When she sent that through, I just thought, hold on a minute. That's not right. I think if I actually do this stack, I probably won't even make it to the show because I'll either kill myself or I'll kill someone else yeah. because <laughs> that amount of gear, you know, it was ridiculous. So to put things into context as to the advice, what, what kind of advice was given back in them days versus what, what kind of advice is given now and what we preach now is a totally different end of spectrum. And luckily enough, you know, I was an idiot back then, but I was not that much of an idiot to be able to do this kind of, you know, that kind of cycle. So luckily enough, I didn't actually do that. But I think that kind of gives people ideas to what certain people even did back in them days and what certain people advised back in them days. And that was from one of, at the time, like that was the coach that everyone went to. Like that was the coach that was, you know, in the limelight, so to speak. We still know coaches um, like so, that in 2022. Yeah, they still yeah. do. Yeah. Oh, they still do. And they still, they still coach a lot of people, unfortunately, yeah. but that, that, that kind of gives us a bit of context, you know, every single year, I think the knowledge and the, the, the principles have definitely changed where I always, I like to call it evolution, where when we look at obviously evolution of cars, you know, and, and, and obviously how we transport things in 1990s, it was horse and carriage. And, you know, that's when it started just developing cars and then slowly it started developing to Ferraris now. So the only way I can describe it is at the age of 16, I was pretty much, walking i wasn't even i wasn't even riding horse and carriage you know mm. it was pretty much walking versus now you know we're sat a ferrari we're driving a ferrari that that kind of context and that that much has changed i believe with the approach yeah. the, the only issue that we do have right now is i feel like still so many people are stuck in the ways of doing the stupid shit with ped use with nutrition yeah. and the training that i was that i was arguably back in the day mm. it sounds like you went from a uh a point in time of excess to now something that seems far more controlled and calculated, which is a really interesting thing because 
you've gone from having a horse and carriage physique to a Ferrari physique, and yet your approach has gone inverted to that. Whereas most people think yeah. in order to have the Ferrari, you need to be punching all of the stuff, you know? Taking all of the drugs and doing all, all of the, the training and none of the food, you mm. know? Yeah. So you're um, actually, yeah, doing less for more now with the Ferrari. We'll work smart, not hard. We'll work smarter, not harder. Mm. Absolutely. I, I definitely preach that as well, because if I carried on the way I did, I know for a fact that there would probably be some health implications that would would start to come to life probably now and for the future. Luckily enough, you know, I, I've pretty much had some extensive checks done to make sure that all is OK. And luckily enough, I think I, I got off lightly because if I carried on the way I did back in the day, I, I probably wouldn't be in position that I'm right now. And I probably wouldn't be able to bodybuild for the lot for the duration that I'm planning on bodybuilding as well. Yeah. The human body is both a blessing and a curse, I think, for individuals coming into bodybuilding in that it's a blessing in that it is extremely resilient, especially acutely, you know, in short term. You can you can beat it up pretty bad and it'll tolerate it. But the problem is, is people really lack the foresight to see what happens if you do that chronically now. And then, you know, 15 years from now, what are the repercussions of that five years of behavior that you did? Ziz is what happens. Oh, fuck. Do you know Ziz? Did he make it to England? Ziz, the the guy that had heart attack. Fuck, yeah. So he used to train at my gym and uh, was not a healthy guy. And so for those that don't know Ziz, he, what would you describe him? A bodybuilding legend. No, he was, but he was no. no, he was 60 kilos. So he wasn't a competitive. He was a festival icon. Yeah. Okay. A festival icon. Bodybuilding legend is far too <laughs> grand, grandiose of a title oh. for him. And he, um, he killed himself by just drugging himself to the gills. I think he died in a spa high on Coke. Mm. Because he was taking... In Thailand, definitely. In, in Thailand. Let's, let's start rumours, definitely because he found out it so, was a baby boy. <laughs> that's, and that's what gave him the hardest... Truth, it's science, that's what happened. Honestly, guys, where I'm from and the environment that I was in, I can guarantee you now that the, the guys that you know I was involved with, especially back in the day, would probably put this to shame mm. with their abuse. That's frightening. That is frightening. Like... When I was when when I was seventeen back in the gym that, that I used to train at, there was guys that was training and mid set, they would go in the changing rooms, have a couple of bumps, and then go back in and train. That's oh like mid session. Yeah, intro workout like the, nutrition. The, yeah, that that was the intro workout nutrition. You know, <laughs> and this is what I mean. In a way, I feel like bodybuilding and what it gave me has kind of saved my life because. Like I said earlier, I could have gone down the wrong path and my life would have been probably a lot different to what it is right now. Whereas mm-hmm. bodybuilding has gave me a platform and has gave me the means to achieve to what I do, to, to achieve some great things and actually have a good life, not, not end up being a loser. But for me, the whole progression kind of thing, it's like, like I said to you earlier, guys, the better, the better I became at bodybuilding, the more I got invested into it. And the more I got invested into the process and the more I wanted to look into how things actually work. So it was almost like back in the day, it was blind leading the blind. Whereas over time, you start to actually get interested into how does this actually work? How will this benefit me? And what do I need to do in order to maximize the progress? So this is kind of where it all started to get better rather than Mm. worse. And the kind of the pedio started to get less to get less. And we start to actually use a, a better approach when it comes to nutrition, whether it's meal variety or simple little things like even eating all your veg, you know, that these are the little things that, you know, even me 
just recently, I probably start to value a lot more than ever just because of the way it makes you feel. So and you don't just eat broccoli? Is that what you're trying to tell us, kid? Definitely not. <laughs> the, just the broccoli days and sweet potato days have definitely long gone. Yeah. Um, what is it with broccoli? Yeah, I really want to know. I know. Okay. Do you do? I think I do. Like, I'm, this is just my theory. So uh, for those of you that aren't in the bodybuilding space, broccoli seems to be up on a pedestal. Uh, and when people say vegetables, they mean broccoli, right? I think it's because most vegetables, if we're talking non-starchy vegetables, have what, 2% carbs, 2 grams of carbs per 100 grams. Um, broccoli has point something. 0.4. Point okay, there you go. So way less carbs. And it's 4% protein. So for every 100 grams of broccoli, you'll get 4 grams of protein. Whoop-de-fucking-do. It's not a lot of protein. But I just wonder if people hear somewhere, oh, um broccoli is the highest protein vegetable and the lowest carb vegetable mm. and they think protein good carb bad and like that's yeah, my i think theory. they really people know. realize that it's one of the lowest carbohydrate vegetables and so are main, mainly greens so then all of a sudden instead of actually thinking about maybe looking into the rest and they just went greens are good yeah greens like, greens are good colored vegetables bad yeah. <laughs> i don't know what do you think of that theory Something I, in there? listen i don't care if it's bad it tastes good and it's allowing me to eat plenty of food so <laughs> i will get get me all the get me all the veg now i'm happy <laughs> to eat it i think do you know what this is exactly what it comes down to it's just more so lack of education and people demonizing these things without actually knowing what it can give you and i think it's so so closed off still in our industry and probably industry in other countries as well. But I know for a fact in England, it's still so backwards when it comes to nutrition and, you know, and peds and training, it's all still very, very backwards. Yeah. It blows my mind when I hear people saying like, here, you, you, you have like peppers and carrot in prep. Like you mean the vegetables? Yeah, of course I do. Like there is, there's this misconception or misunderstanding or just a complete ignorance to the fact that they're not even that calorically dense. No, I mean, we've got people to put it in hmm? I think people would rather have extra five grams of, uh, of cream of rice than, than, you know, than 100 grams of peppers. And I just think that's just retarded, completely retarded. So uh, we, the Flex Success team, Dean and I and the other coaches, developed a program recently called the Better Bodies Program that just went live last week. And this was one of the main drivers. It wasn't necessarily uh, targeted towards bodybuilders, but just people who need to improve their nutritional IQ and learn about like how to eat, like remove the anxiety around food where we're no longer grouping food as good and bad, figuring out what foods are satiating, what keep us full for fewer calories, what might be some smart swaps, like oh, yeah. swapping honey for, I don't know, fucking some other type of syrup. You're just swapping... <laughs> 80 grams of carbs for 80 grams of carbs. It don't matter, mm. you know? Yeah, it's funny when Cooper at the beginning said, oh, Dean probably looks at things as numbers now. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I do, but it changes with the time of, or the goal, you know? Like the off season, it might be like, I'm looking for something that is energy dense. Whereas in prep, my number that I'm looking at is like, what does this rate on the satiety scale for me? You know, like, yeah. will this keep me full? Seven, good, I'll eat that, you know? Yeah. Uh, or whatever it may be. Or maybe not having banana as often and having apple more frequently because you could have double the amount for the carbs. It's funny, in this household, yeah. we're currently staying at Joe Jeffrey's house, as you know, and uh, Joe and I are non-banana eating fruit individuals because we go for the dark berries because we can have more of them, right? Because <laughs> the we're both dieting. Yeah. And then the girls are smashing the bananas because they're like, we're in maintenance, so we're good. Mate. <laughs> 
I'm all about berries. I'm all about berries. It's do you know what? That that's actually something that that's quite common because Meg is exactly the same. Your it's like I never have bananas. She's she loves them because she she can never get enough food in. So yeah, well, that Meg, definitely makes sense. But do you know what? What you mentioned, I really think it's not just normal people that would benefit from something like this. I honestly think a lot of seasoned professionals would probably benefit from actually learning how to eat better. Yeah. And I personally think it would make the preparations for the shows far easier. Oh, massively, man. Hey, I'm at, I'm out of pros. I see, literally, just eat chicken and fucking rice all day. Mm. It's if I had to prep like this, I would probably not compete anymore because yeah. I've done preps where I ate just fish and rice or just turkey and sweet potato, and it's hell. Like, who wants to eat like that? Oh. It doesn't make it enjoyable. Like. No. They literally was the worst preps of my life when I when I when I prepped like like that. And mm-hmm. I will always say this to people: it's like, you know, I'm quite big on learning from mistakes. If you continue doing the same mistakes that that you, that you know you've made over and over again, then you just you're just an idiot. So you need to kind of learn from it. Yeah. And especially the eating side of things, it's like, as much as we all want to say that we're strong-minded, when we get hungry, we want to get food focused it needs to get managed somehow. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's not going to help you manage it is not actually knowing that, look, it's okay to eat these foods and not demonizing all these foods because that's the biggest thing that I see in industry as well. People demonize so many different food sources so much that they restrict themselves so much. It leads to binging and all different sorts mm-hmm. of food issues. Whereas with something that your guys bringing out, that would benefit everyone. I don't just think it benefit normal people. Everyone is eighty percent of professionals. They don't know how to eat. Yeah, we. That's, um, that's scary, considering that a lot there's a lot of transfer from people looking towards bodybuilding as the gold standard of how to manipulate a physique because right. all they see is the external shell and then know? those people teach other people Oof. how to have eating disorders we have a whole section in this program that i mentioned to you the better bodies program on um hunger and cravings management because just like you said we need to manage it somehow and of course the whole purpose of a prep isn't to be enjoyable but you're giving yourself the best chances of success if you're decreasing the pain that you're putting yourself in um, we're more likely to stay on track if we're only a three out of 10 hungry, not a 10 out of 10 hungry. Yeah, or if yeah. there's just the simple perception that there's an opportunity to change your food should you wish to, yeah. you know? There's this period of time where flexible dieting got popular and it's fantastic because it taught people that you could eat some different food types, great. But I think the greatest thing that people can learn from learning about food is that it gives you the mental opportunity to make a choice. And just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah, yeah. you know? Like uh, people will often scoff at me when I say, I don't actually get food cravings in prep. I get... I get food volume cravings, you know, I want more food, but I don't really ever feel like I want this food because if I truly wanted it, I could eat it. It just like yeah. we've talked about today with commitments to things, it comes at a cost. Like if I'm going to make a homemade pizza, that's fine, but I'm probably going to be hungry. You yeah. Know? You could eat half yeah, a donut or a huge bowl of fruit. Mm. Yeah, Absolutely. It's the choices you make. So ever since I, start, I started actually looking at, food from a similar perspective it's like i never look at food as if i can't have something it's my choice and the choices i make but even like you said when you actually eat the stuff that you enjoy every single day you don't want you don't want anything else you just want more of it and that's the beauty that's beauty of prep and i think that makes your prep so much more enjoyable as well because you're not constantly thinking about the food you're thinking about the process and objectives which 
that's what you should be really focusing on. But I think this is exactly where a lot of people fail. And you know what? Myself included, especially, you know, back in the day, it was terrible. The approach was terrible towards nutrition, towards towards PEDS, towards everything. It was just so, so retarded. Mm-hmm. But lesson learned, you know, I probably wouldn't be where I am now and I probably wouldn't be sat here having this conversation with you guys if I didn't make these mistakes and didn't learn from them as well. Mm. Oh. I mean, Will Crozier, who we've had on the podcast before, he's an Australian powerlifter. He said that uh, if you don't look back at yourself a few years ago and are embarrassed about what you used to do, you haven't grown. You mm. haven't <laughs> developed yourself as a coach or as a person. And it's so true. I look at some some programs I used to ride or, I don't know, some things I used to do with clients. And I'm like, God, I'm so glad that I've developed since then. Mm. Yeah. So it's kind of a good thing. Um, hey, I also yeah. wanted to share, you mentioned that... Um, the way that you used to do things was so terrible. And, you know, now the industry has grown. I do think a lot of it comes down to pure luck of who you uh, end up being influenced by. And because there's so much information out there, both good and bad, lots of people are just being influenced by poor sources. So I thought maybe I could share, and then you also mentioned staying up to date with papers, but not everyone has time to do that. So I thought we could share some people that influence us um, that we think would be great for people to follow up on if they don't feel like their circle of influence is great. Um, and some things I have in Absolutely. mind for people who aren't particularly scientifically minded or are really busy are some research reviews. So the mass research review, M-A-S-S, oh. um, is awesome. The weightology research review from, who's it, James Kruger, isn't it? Kruger, yep. James Kruger, sorry. And then there's um, Alan Flanagan's. Alan Flanagan, yep. Um, and... Uh, Alan Aragon's research review as well, A-A-R-R. Yeah, and even maybe from a listening, a, a listening perspective, I think Iron Culture from Eric Helms Oh yeah. and um, Omar, Omar is fantastic because one, there's some comedy value in it, uh, and two, it's, it's actually a real good broad spectrum of conversation. Yeah, Iron Culture is the podcast, yeah. guys, not a research review. I think Eric has been a, a leader for quite some time, hasn't he? He should Man. be the president of the world. I love Eric so he's, much. One, he's too nice. Mm. And he gives back so much. You know, we've had we've had really positive experiences with the people we've had on our podcast. With like Eric was willing to give as much time as we wanted. Um, Even like, um, what's his name, Greg Knuckles. Greg Knuckles was incredible. Yeah, he was cooking a, a meal. You know, if he was meal prepping while we were doing it, our internet cut out three times. And he's like, "I'll just hang out. Like, don't worry about it. I'll wait." Yeah, unreal. this is a legend. But anyways, what are some people, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be research reviews, maybe just Instagram accounts or something like that, that you guys want to share with the audience? I think first, such a good point you made because influences are, are definitely, definitely huge. And I think the reason why I made so many mistakes I did is because of the wrong influences and the wrong advice that was given yeah. by the people that at the time was the people that were meant to be the ones that we go to. And I think the worst thing right now is the people that are highly popular and the people that are out in limelight, unfortunately, aren't the people that are giving out the best information right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that's for general public and bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. You know, the, unfortunately, most bodybuilders still follow, you know, the guys that are doing the, the, the kind of mistakes and the dumb shit that I was doing. And that is the, that is the, the, the worst thing because I think in future, we are going to see a lot of people... Um, a lot of people die from mistakes, from the mistakes they're doing now. Mm. And that, that's the thing. If, if people aren't looking up to the guys that 
are preaching the right things, like the John Jewitts and you know the people like Joe, uh, and and all they are looking up to is guys that after me Q8, <laughs> you know well, who's going to survive the longest? Let's face yeah. it, and that's the harsh reality of it, to be honest. Uh, but the, the main people that I have had the, the most influence on me have definitely been John, um, on a, on a personal level as well. Um, John Jewett, he's definitely been the, the, the man that has had the most influence on me. Um, AJ Morris as well, one of uh, one of the one of the natty guys um, that, that that is in the country. You know AJ, don't you? Dee? I know him. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, um, so. Uh, we need people like yourself and people like John and uh, like obviously very high level competitors, but like they're they're the competitors that are just on the fringe of that sort of top echelon where they've got the big name coach. Uh, that are trying to crack into that space, which is what we need. You know, we need people like you that have some some backing and some shoulder and some weight behind you to say, hey, this is actually what I do and it's okay too. Um, Because we are, we we do have young fellas that are looking at Mr. Olympia getting coached by ex-coach and assuming that that's the only way forward, unfortunately. Hmm. Um, For listeners, I'm going to put the Instagram handles of your the people that you recommended in the show notes in case anyone wanted to go ahead and follow them. Yeah, John Drew is great. He's got an awesome thing called J3 University. Yeah. Dr. Scott Stevenson, I think, is also the main person as well. Like cool. Dr. Scott is someone that I think Dr. Scott is literally the, the first person that actually made me realize that a lot of these things I was getting told was just complete and utter trash. Cool. And he was the first person that that made me think outside the box a little bit as well. Mm. Like yeah. Scott can break down science so, so well. Like from the background that I came from, when I was listening to Scott, like he made me understand science so much better. And I think that is what we need. I think there's so many people that are so knowledgeable right now, but they unfortunately can't communicate it. Yeah. And they can't relay the information either. So the key for me, and this is why I'm such a fan, I'm, I'm such a big fan of Scott. And I think indirectly, I owe Scott a lot, Scott a lot as well, because he's changed my perception of so many things. Like if you truly know something inside out, you can explain it to someone who doesn't have a scooby-doo about it. And that was, that was me back in the day, you know, when I was listening to Scott, like he made the most complex things sound so simple. And I think this is what we are missing right now, because there's so much content out there that's put out by certain individuals. That's so amazing. But the delivery of that content is so poor. It's putting people off. Mm. Yeah. I think it's a real art science communication because it can either go two ways. We can oversimplify something to the point that it's untrue or we can overcomplicate something to the point that people, you know, the the science communicator thinks that all these little details are important and the person is overwhelmed and doesn't listen. So it sounds like Scott is giving that middle ground where he's simplifying enough where it makes sense, but without doing it so much that it's untrue. Yeah. Scott is incredible. He's he's incredibly uh, charismatic as well. Plus he is, he is, if there was ever a poster boy for somebody who spent time in a lab suit and then time in some posing trunks and then time in some gym clothes and then time in some just raggedy old clothes driving around America and just being a normal person, he's done it all. He's a, and he loves dogs. Honest. What a he's wholesome a jo- guy. He's a guy. He's <laughs> unbelievable. He ticks every box for me. He really does. It's, uh, I, I had a podcast with, with, with Dr. Scott for two hours and, and he literally made my hair stand on the back of my neck for two hours when he was talking. It's just so, it's unbelievable. It, it, there's, there's nothing that man cannot really take and break down in detail. It's like just recently, obviously, everyone's got into L-carnitine as well. 
And he, he's literally gone and spent like a month studying it now. And he's just dived into it so much. And it's, it just makes you laugh because nobody else does that. It's like some people come up with all these things and then Scott will just completely break it down and dive into it much deeper than anyone can even fathom. And it's, it's just unbelievable to see. Um, definitely people like this, like John has been the main one. Another person that I feel like has definitely turned it around a lot has been JP because everyone knows what JP used to stand for and everyone knows what JP used to kind of used to show for the industry. And I think this past year, especially now, Jordan has kind of, I think he's turned a page in his life where he's really scaled back on the elabolic use and he's definitely pushing forwards more with the healthy approach and more of the approach of actually wanting to people wanting people to stay alive and not make mistakes he has made with pushing the boundaries and pushing the the protocols that he has and i think that's a big thing because hopefully people will look at jordan now and be like right if he's preaching that and he's not preaching pushing grams and grams of gear maybe that's the right thing to do so mm. and i think cool. this is what we are lacking at the moment we are lacking leaders in the industry really push the healthier side of things and push the more of the longevity side because as much as we've got amazing people out there preaching it now we've got obviously joe jeffries we've got john jewett we've got plenty of these guys doing it obviously i think victor black's still still around unless yeah, uh, unless everyone has unless he's actually made everyone fall out in the world everyone he hasn't the victor maybe, black's still but he's out, still on instagram <laughs> Yeah, uh, he's not been banned yet, no? No. <laughs> I'm only kidding, I'm only kidding. Um, no, I, but that's a fact. That's a fact, you know. I think if more people that, that were really, really at the top of popularity game as well came out and actually pushed these things, I think we would see far better outcomes with, with less health implications as well. Oh. Yeah, I think people that have a big influence on social media have the responsibility to do so. I don't think... Um, it's you know their privilege or and it should be an option i think it's their responsibility because they yeah. have such an impact on people um and shouldn't we make that impact positive or just less harmful at least let's not go all the way to positive oh. less harmful yeah yeah i agree i agree unfortunately that's not the way cookie crumbles these days no no everyone wants to get to the end of the race before they started yeah um now i feel like we could talk to you all day but I know that you're a busy guy and time is getting on. So we um, want to wrap up with, why don't we just go straight to Would You Rather? Hey? Yeah, I was going to say, we normally ask for something we're sharing, but we've just shared a whole bunch of awesome people. So we have. We'll jump uh, do on you that. have a uh, Would You Rather? I do have a Would You Rather, but okay. I already know the answer now based on our conversation. Okay. Well, well maybe I'll, I'll come up with a different Would You Rather. We normally have a really fucked up Would You Rather. We used to have a game called Shitty Choices, but um, the Would You Rather for you is very topic specific. It is. Would You Rather... Are you going to ask the original one? Yeah, and then you can think of another one. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. Would you rather win in an Olympia but lose 20 years off your life or have no guarantee of winning the Olympia but have full control over your health? If you asked me five years ago, it would have been a win at Olympia. Right now, full control of my health. Mm. Okay. And that, my friends, is called progression. That is called progression. I like it. My mm, would you rather... So I, every morning on my Instagram, I ask a different would you rather. I'm trying to think of one that I haven't actually asked anyone before. I don't know if it's the way that you position this, but every time we get to this stage, I watch the guest's face and I just watch them go, all right, here we fucking go. <laughs> would you rather? Do you know what a I'm sweating. <laughs> Do you know what a chode is? Say again? A chode. Do you know what that is? 
like a fat penis. That, yeah, that's what Chelsea looks like. No, it has to be short though. It can't just be fat. No, it is a penis that is wider than it is long. Okay. <laughs> right. Would you yeah. Rather have, <laughs> would you rather have constantly lactating nipples? Oof. Right? All the time. They're not like gushing, but they're just like constantly dripping. Or a chode. Lactating nipples all day. Would you? Okay, yeah. well, it will ruin your tan on stage. You're aware of this. <laughs> I'll just get him. I'll just get him cut out. No, you, no, can't. you can't. You have to deal. No, you have to deal. You can't. Because otherwise, you oh just my god! No. <laughs> no, you are dealing oh, with these lactating wait, nipples. Wait, 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 wait! I'll, I'll pull that one back. <laughs> Thing is, if you've got lactating nipples, you're not really going to make use of a normal penis anyway. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you're not. You know, so I, I think well, I wouldn't date a guy a who had wet nips. No, but, no, but okay, you meet a girl. Could you not band aid them up before the t shirt? You could try and put pads over them or something, sure. And just never take your shirt yeah, off. Yeah, but then they'd be like, Yeah, but then they'd be like, Why have you got pads over your nipples? They'd be like, That's a bit weird. <laughs> and you know, as much as women say that they don't care about these things, right? Oh, they're like, I'm not being funny. You know, nobody, like, come on, nobody gets attracted to leaking nipples. Like, you fall in love with the personality in that. You fall in love with the person, but come on. No, initially, <laughs> uh, of course, you have to be sexually attracted to someone before you can allow yourself to fall in love with. Like, no one's going to put their dick in your personality, right? So 100%. I agree with you. There is no arguments there. Okay. So does that mean you're going with the Just wait, how, yeah. how How wide versus long is this chode? Oh, it just because, you know, if we're talking like it's, let's just say it's, four inches long mm -hmm. but six inches long no no Whoa. it just has to be like uh, no i'm gonna retract that i don't know i don't even know what that looks like it couldn't be any longer than two inches that's, I don't that's know. a that's a because <laughs> three oh, fuck, i don't know whatever it's it's bad either way you, you have, have to, to make it usable yeah you have to make it usable i'm sure there's a woman out there for you with your Three and four inch. Up. Child, yeah. Maybe the woman from um, what's that from Mean Girls, the one with a wide set vagina and a heavy flow. Yes, yeah, five years. <laughs> Do you know that that movie? Yeah, I, I recognise it, and uh, now I'm, okay. I'm regretting my decision. Now I don't want a child anymore. <laughs> what are you choosing? What's your choice? Um, I'd have to choose a child, hundred percent. Okay, all right. Ooh. That's tough. On that note, uh, if you found value in this podcast, <laughs> we are going to wrap up on that. Uh, please like, subscribe, comment, share with your friends, take a screenshot. Give us a chody thumbs up. Give us a chody thumbs mm -hmm. up. Where can people find you, by the way, actually, before we wrap up? Uh, Instagram. Instagram on YouTube. Okay. What's your Instagram handle? Uh, just type in Kuba. There's not many Kubas, so just if it's, as soon as people type in Kuba, it generally comes up. So K-U-B-A. Uh, please don't make the mistake of putting C in. I think a lot of people still put the C, right. uh, but yeah, it's K. It's just like Cuba, but spelled with a K. Okay. Mm. And how Amazing. do you pronounce your last name? Chellen. Chellen. Oh, well, that's easy. I was going for Kylan for some reason. Because it's C I blah blah blah. E L E N right? or something. Yeah. A lot of people say Klein for some reason. Oh, they just make they just join the the dot on the I, make it an L. <laughs> sure. Why not? Why not? Klein. Well, um, thanks so much for your time today. It was really fun as always and informative and I hope hopefully helpful to our listeners as well. No doubt. No doubt, no doubt. No doubt. And um, we will thank you for having me on, guys. Soon, Cheers, Mike. Thank you.